welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to two passages of Scripture. Uh, Numbers chapter 33 and verse 50. Numbers 33 and 50. And then also Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 and verse 10 through 13. At Numbers will be at verse 50 in chapter 33 down through verse 56. So a little more scripture than normally I would read. But I think it will set the tone for what we want to talk about. Amen. Today. Amen. So it may be a little teaching at first. A little talking, but by the end we'll be yelling. So we'll go from teaching to preaching just by volume. Amen. If I start getting all excited and jumping around, you know I'm preaching. That means you got to say amen. Amen. Numbers 33 and verse 50. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Everybody say by Jordan near Jericho. By Jordan and near Jericho. Saying... Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye hear, when ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants. Again, when ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then, everybody say then, ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. Everybody say, the land was given, but we have to possess it. Amen. Verse 54 and 55, and ye shall divide the land by lot of inheritance among your families, to the more ye shall give more inheritance, to the fewer ye shall give less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit. But if, now listen to this, but if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I will do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Look at somebody say, God ain't playing. Tell somebody, I said, God ain't playing. Amen. Either we do it or it's going to get done to us. Amen. Now, Ephesians 6 and 23, this will be a passage as comparable to Numbers Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, everybody say we're against, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. From verse 52 of Numbers 33 and from verse 12 of Ephesians 6 
it talks about the high places. And I want to preach to you about God's church in high places. Amen. Look at somebody and say, God's church is in high places. The Lord bless you and you may be seated in the name of the Lord. The book of Ephesians and Colossians as well are two of the so-called prison epistles that Paul wrote during his first imprisonment in 64 AD. They were sent by the same messenger, Tychius, who also carried the letter to Philemon. Philemon. They are companion letters, not only because they are written at the same time, but primarily because Ephesians speaks of the body of Christ of which he is the head, and Colossians presents Jesus as the head of the body. As to the book of Ephesians, expositors say, in the judgment of many who are well entitled to deliver an opinion, it is the grandest and greatest of all the Pauline epistles. There is particular sustained loftiness in, each, in its teaching, which has deeply impressed the greatest minds and has earned for it the title, the Epistle of the Ascension, for it tarries largely among the heavenlies. This is what fancy uh, educated people say. It tarries largely among the heavenlies. While the Colossian letter was addressed to the local church at that place in Colossia, the Ephesian letter was what they called a circular letter. It was sent from church to church all over the then known world. The subject matter was made clear at the beginning of chapter 2. Number one, it was to let us know that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Tell somebody next to you, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. Amen. If you're born again, you have been placed in the church. Amen. I said, if you're born again, that means you've been placed in the church. Amen. That's on top of everything. So we are in a blessed place just because we're saved. Number two, it teaches that we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That means in creation, when God begins to say, let there be, amen, Genesis 1, we could read it. Uh, it says, let there be light, and suddenly there was a flash in, in normal terms. There was a flash of light, and Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub, that covered. Now, what is that? Uh, there are levels of angels. There's cherubs, seraphims, and then the host of angels, which the Old Testament says there were thousands of thousands times 10,000 times 10,000 angels. Now, thousands of thousands is a number, but 10,000, when it's used in Scripture, it means a myriad of or uncalculable number. So the Bible tells us there were thousands of thousands of angels times an incalculable number times another incalculable number of angels. Lucifer was over all of it. Of the cherubims, there was Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. But of those three, the Bible says of Lucifer that he was perfect. He was anointed, and the Bible said he had a throne, which meant he had authority over all of the angels under him. He was the, he was the choir director of heaven. Because all the angels say, the Bible says to one another, is they say to each other, of God, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. Turn, turn and say some, of that, say some of that to somebody next to you. Say, he's holy. Turn to somebody and say, he's holy. He's holy. Look at somebody and say, he's holy. Look at your wife and say, he's holy. Look at your husband and say, he's holy. Come on, tell him, say, of God, he's holy. Now just keep saying, he's holy. I can hear you a little bit. Come on, a little bit louder. Look at somebody and say, he's holy. Just keep saying it. Just keep saying it. Keep saying it. Just keep saying it. 
And in the midst of that, God had a thought. In the midst of that continuous praise that was going on before time, the Bible says it's going on right now during time, and it will go on when time is no more. It will be God lives in a continuous atmosphere of praise. Now, I'm going to take a dirt road here and tell you, if you want God in your life, you've got to learn to praise him. God only lives where there's praise. I lost all my amens from there. I got about 15 out of 50 or 60 in here. Look at somebody who said that deserved an amen. Come on, look at him and say about everything he says needs an amen. Look at somebody say that'll ensure a short message if we'll say amen. I say this everywhere I go. The key to a short message is amen. If you don't say amen, we're going to be here a while. Thank you. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissing the name of no, I'm kidding, Holly. But now you get the point. Amen. Lucifer was the number one angel over all of them. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. What did he cover? He covered God with the praises of this incalculable number of angels, and God enhoused or inhabited himself in the atmosphere, the firmament of praise. Look at somebody say, God lives in praise. Amen. Look at somebody say, God lives in praise. Amen. Now you say, well, I'm not emotional. It don't matter. God, the Bible doesn't say let the emotional praise the Lord. Somebody say, well, I'm just not, I'm just, I, just don't, I just don't feel it. There ain't no place in the Bible say if you don't feel it, you don't have to. I'm going to kill a bunch of holy cows while I'm here. Amen. The Bible doesn't say let the emotional praise the Lord. The Bible doesn't say let the extravagant praise the Lord. The Bible doesn't say just let, you know, the Caucasian praise the Lord. Let the His, uh, Hispanic praise the Lord. Or just let the Russians praise. But it doesn't say that. The Bible says the, 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 the determining factor of who can praise the Lord is if you're breathing. Look at somebody and say, I'm breathing. Just breathe in. Come on, everybody take a breath in. Just Come on. No, no, you didn't hear me. I mean, Sam has got to help me. Amen. Look at somebody and say, take a breath. Breathe in. Say, breathe in. That means you're a calculable number to be a worshiper. If you can breathe, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Whether you're emotional or not, don't say let the emotional. It doesn't say let the extravagant or the, out, the outgoing person praise the Lord. It doesn't say. It said if you're breathing. Look at somebody and say he's preaching right now. Look at somebody and say he said if you're breathing. Look at somebody and say if you're breathing. You're supposed to praise the Lord. It ought to be easy. Now I got some folks here saved and you're not. Just look at somebody and say he's staying on this point. Because it's a couple of people ain't said nothing back. It ain't got nothing to do with our guests or people ain't got the Holy Ghost. These people got the Holy Ghost and ain't saying nothing to me. If I'm looking at you, it ain't you, but it could be somebody across the road from you. Look at somebody and say, you got to say amen. Amen, amen, amen. When you praise God, here's why your flesh, number one, doesn't want to praise God. And the devil don't want you to praise God because they know God is going to show up if you dare praise him. If you start praising him, he's going to show up. Amen. I've been driving down the road and stopped at a red light and get to think about the Lord. And I said, glory. And goosebumps pop up on my arm. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. You're in the car with me. Anybody ever done that? Amen. Amen. Why? Because if you've got breath, you are to praise the Lord. Look at somebody said, say amen. 
Amen. Amen. So I'm going to go back to my notes here. I'm going to go back to my notes. Amen. So we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, which means God works everything from the end back to the beginning. We're living from the beginning back to the end. You're living from the mess you're in now, trying to become what God wants you to be. God is working from the end, moving us, wooing us, leading us, guiding us to a finished product. God sees us already finished and complete project, while we all we can see is the mess we're in and the mess we're coming from. But amen, if you'll hear what God's saying, the reason God wants you to have the Holy Ghost is because he wants every man... And every woman to be warning. Now, the bad thing about this is, and I've been saying this since the pandemic started, amen, is the Lord knows not everybody's going to do it. Lord knows that everybody's not going to get the Holy Ghost. Everybody's not going to be born again. The majority of this world will be lost. They will go to hell, the majority, because of choice. Not because of God, but because of choice. Amen? But out of this group, God is leading. God is guiding. He is wooing everyone. So look at somebody and say, I'm going to choose to follow God. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to follow God. Now, you got the choice. You can make the choice. You can say, no, I ain't going to do this. You can go drinking drugs and taking drugs, shooting up heroin, smoking some weed and popping some heroin, get you some PCP and pop it and freak out and flop out and wake up the next morning, don't know how you got to the room you're at, and you can enjoy yourself if you can enjoy that. Amen. Everybody said amen. amen. Or you can say, you know what, I'm not going to fool with that stuff. I'm going to push forward. I'm not going to have to have drugs. I'm not going to have to have alcohol. I'm not going to have to enjoy the sins of my flesh. I'm going to live for God. Isn't it beautiful saying to God to go to sleep at night and don't need no alcohol to do it? Isn't it wonderful? Amen. You can just wake up, don't need a drink of alcohol to get in. I may need a cup of coffee. Amen. Amen. But, but you don't need no alcohol. You don't need no drugs. You don't need anything to get you woke up. Look at somebody say, I go to sleep in my right mind, and I wake up in my right mind. Can y'all hear me out there? Amen. Look at somebody say, I wake up in my right mind. Why? Because you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. Number three... We have been placed in an exalted position. When you are born again, you are baptized into Christ. You have put on Christ, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you are born again, you are placed in an exalted position. What's that mean? Amen. We are dead. Everybody that's ever been born is born dead in their sins and in their trespasses. Before you are born again, spiritually, we are dead men walking. Why? Because when Adam and Eve were, were, were made, they were perfect. In the image of God, God made them. But of course, you know the story. A little bit of time, the Satan began to tempt them at that one tree that God said, don't eat of that tree. They kept going by it, kept looking at it. Satan was there because he'd been cast out of heaven. And he said, come on, eat it. And they eventually take part in it because he lied to them. They were already in the image of God, perfect. They didn't even have knowledge of good or evil. They didn't know there was a difference. They were made in God's image. He made them from the dust of the ground. But Satan moved in and convinced them otherwise. That God's cheating you. This one tree you can't eat. What's he holding back from you? I'll tell you what he's holding back. He don't want you to do that because you'll be like him if you do it. Amen. Look at somebody say, if the devil is talking to you, the exact opposite is true. If the devil tells you you need to do that, you know the exact opposite is what you need to do. You don't need to eat that. 
because he's a liar and he's been a liar from the beginning. Amen. Look at somebody say, devil's a liar. Amen. So he tempted them and they eventually partook of the fruit. And when that happened, man was born again from spiritual life to spiritual death. Now they're kicked out of the garden and the whole process of the Old Testament comes with over 2,000 prophecies about Jesus Christ coming, God robing himself in flesh, all of that. And when it finally happened, now you can be born again, born again from spiritual death to spiritual life. Amen. When we were born, we were born spiritually dead, dead in our sins. And if we just got to a little age of maturity, we were going to start sinning. If it hair lipped the devil, we was going to do it. Amen. So look at somebody say, that's what we've been doing before we got to God. We've been sinning. But whenever the gospel gets to you, it quickens your heart. And now you say, I've got to do something. I've got to change. What is it? It's the word of God getting in your spirit. Amen. Through your ears, you're hearing the word of God and it stays in you. It keeps talking to you in the midnight hour. Come on. You need to come on. You need to give that up. Come on. You need to come closer to me. Why? Because you're going to be in God's image. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so this is what God wants to do. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be born again. So it puts us at his own right hand in a place of strength and authority. Ephesians 1 and 15 said, Wherefore also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, how? When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Took at somebody, look at somebody and say, Jesus Christ is alive. So what's he saying? Paul is striving to let the minds of the church, lift the minds of the church to understand completely what has happened to them, for they must know, understand, and be enlightened. Revival and growth, both collectively and individually, are the result of divine illumination and revelation. Even Jesus, around a campfire, stunned the 12 disciples with the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Do you know? Have you been illuminated? Has it been revealed yet? And the answer comes three, three dimensions. One, they said, some say. Some say you're this, some say you're that, and others say you're this, and others say that. Finally, Jesus didn't let, they've been out of campfire at night, eating the fish they caught, and Jesus stuns them with a little question, and they're all making a little funny remarks. There's somebody, there's some Jeremiah, some of Isaiah, some you're one of the prophets, man, they're all talking trash and talking noise, and they finally get quiet because Jesus isn't responding, and when they get quiet, he said, well, who do you say I am? And they sit there silently until Peter finally just says, they're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now the question was, who am I, the son of man? But the answer was, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Peter said that, Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. What was revealed? That you're not just as son of man, but you are the son of God. As son of God, amen, as son of man... 
He is Jesus Christ. He is God manifest in flesh. Tell somebody he's God manifest in flesh. So then in Ephesians 1 and 20, he said, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above. Everybody say far above. All principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is, everybody say the church, is his body. Now that's part of what I want to preach to you. When you are born again, you become a member of the body of Christ. The word member means a limb or a part. Not just this local congregation, not just this little building, but each one of us are a member of the body of Christ. When you're born again of the water and spirit, you are baptized into Christ. You have put on Christ, and it's Christ in you. So you're not just by yourself in this great city. We went some places yesterday, blew my mind. I've been here 20 times at least, and I ain't never seen nothing like I saw yesterday. Reed's got to come over here, Brother Morgan, and we worked. <laughs> Hit the ground and started working, didn't crusades and stuff like that. But yesterday I got to see beautiful country, and I saw people. We drove through downtown San Francisco, and I was just, oh, my God, have mercy, all these people. I mean, I knew they was there because I've been here before, but not been right down in there in the midst of them, the good people, hungry people. Hey, man, what are you saying, Brother God? I'm saying the key is, is once you are born again, you have to understand you and I are members, limbs and parts of his body. We are, we are connected in the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit. You are connected with every person in this world that has been born again of water and spirit. Amen. Look at somebody say, I've been born again of the water and the spirit, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's why, Pastor Pritt, there's going to be a great church here. That's why it's going to be way bigger than this. Why? Because we are his body, and the fullness of God operates in us and through us. When you get in the church, you and I are on top of it all. The new birth, being born again of the water and spirit, has placed me, baptized me into the body of Christ. Therefore, I'm on top of everything. Everybody say, I'm on top of everything. Amen. When you come to God, you may be here today, don't have the Holy Ghost, and you may be bound with habits, bound with sin, amen, and, and locked down and don't know what's going on, don't have an idea. You're just spinning, amen. But I want to tell you, when you're born again, God picks you up and sets you in the body. Amen. It's a spiritual body. And when you get in this body, you are immediately placed on top of everything. Tell somebody, I'm on top of everything. Amen. So note, the book of Ephesians is considered the New Testament Joshua. The book of victory over all enemies, possession of the promises of God, and our inheritance. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, as Paul closes direct, he declares, finally be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Look, the word power here is kratos in the Greek. It means relative or manifested power of his might is exousius, which is power as an endowment, which is active efficacy of the might that is inherited in Christ. Verse 11, put on, 
That means to envelop, to hide in, to clothe with the whole armor, the emphatic thing as must exist exegesis. The idea being that we not only have divine equipment, but that equipment in its completeness without the lack of any single part. I want to say to this church, don't be intimidated with your outreach. Don't be intimidated by any spirits in this metroplex. Amen. You have completeness and there is no lack of any single part because you are born again. You are born again. Everything you need, amen, to win this battle, you will win it. Look at somebody say, we're going to win. We've been given everything that we need. We have complete, without lack of any single part, everything that we need. This begins the mindset and understanding of warring for that which has been promised. Now, came in, there was 20-something people here. And now there's 50, 60s here. But I want to tell you that there is way more. Look at somebody and tell them that we're warring for. Tell somebody we're warring for more. This provides a connection between the modus operandi of the book of Joshua and Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. The word wiles here is methodia. It means cunning arts, deceit, craft, trickery. That comes from the word a word methodiu, which means to follow up or investigate by method, a settled plan, to follow craftily, frame devices that deceive. Now you need to hear me. The enemy of our soul, his method is through cunning arts, deceit craft and trickery it is framed devices that are for one thing that is to deceive us and Paul said we're wrestling with this Paul uses a Greek athletic term a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other at which is decided when the victor is able to press and hold down prostrate his antagonist namely hold him down with his hand upon the neck then the loser uh, then the loser would then with, uh, have his eyes gouged out with the resulting blindness for the days. Now, here's what, here's what it means in the Greek. Amen. We're wrestling against something. What are you wrestling with? Wrestling with drugs. No, you're wrestling with the spirit of Lucifer. Lucifer has deceived you. He deceives man into thinking alcohol, drugs, Pornography and all kind of perversion is what is what you need to be free. It's a deception. Anything that Lucifer says to you, the exact opposite of it is true. If he tells you this preacher's crazy, you know the exact opposite is true. I'm not crazy. Look at somebody say that preacher ain't crazy. I mean, some of y'all need to say that. Say that preacher ain't crazy. I gotta say, folks, I ain't saying nothing. Test one, two, three. I said, look at somebody say that preacher ain't crazy. Amen. He's trying to look at somebody and say he's trying to help somebody in here. Amen. When you get the word of God in you, you are born again of the water and spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Amen. Come on. Look at somebody and say greater is he. Tell somebody greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Well, amen. Amen. So the fight, ladies and gentlemen is over your vision. If you lose the vision of the church and its future, 
we're forever blinded. For where there is no vision, people perish. The reason this church has grown like it has grown in the year of the pandemic is because there was vision here. Amen. You can see what's going on. You know what's going on. What's happening. Amen. Somebody said, well, how did it happen? Well, all I can tell you is, is God gave his approval. Just let it come in. Now, the, the, the crazy thing, I've been preaching and teaching in some, some places where it's just all a bunch of preachers, and I've been telling them, now here's the crazy thing, is God approved it and didn't tell none of y'all spiritual boys it was coming. Nobody with any gifts of the Spirit, no prophetic position, no apostle, nobody got a word to beware. It came. Why? What has happened is, in just every church that I know of, when it happened, there was a group of people that's been saved 15, 20, 30, sometimes 40 years that have left church, never come back, haven't answered a letter, haven't answered a phone call, and haven't called the pastor to ask what's going on. They have quit church completely. But while that's been going on, I'm on a text with about 115 evangelists in the United Pentecostal Church, and they're all about 30 of them responded this morning at all places. We're from Washington all the way to Florida. I mean, we're everywhere. Little churches, big churches, new churches, old churches, and every one of them will have people get the Holy Ghost today. Why? Because, because here's the deal. God is wanting to know where are the saved people at. Do you believe? And you've stayed with it, stayed at church, and this church has grown. I tell people, my son-in-law's church, hey, man, they've grown. What? They had 21 or 22 voting them in. They're running 50, 60. Bumped up to 70 a couple of times, but they run solid 50, 60 people. He said, what's going on? I said, they're growing. Why? Because they're hungry. Because they know Jesus is coming. Come on, look at somebody say, Jesus is coming. Come on, tell somebody, Jesus is coming. Amen. Amen. So somebody needs to understand we've got to wrestle. Look at somebody say, we've got to wrestle. Till we put our hand on the throat of the enemy and gouge out his eyes. This is spiritually speaking. Nothing can do that any more effectively than praise. The prophetic announcement on the tribe of Judah was this. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. When you study it out, it literally means your hand will be down the throat of your enemies. It literally means you're going to choke it out. I'm saying to this church, your hand is on the neck of the enemy of this city. I'm, it's on the neck of the enemy, and you're going to choke him out. Look at somebody and say, we're going to choke it out. How are we going to do that? When you begin to praise God, now listen. Amen. I, I ain't got time to preach all of it. But I want to tell you, when you begin to praise God, number one, God inhabits. He enthrones himself in your praise. But then there's seven major words of praise. And I'll get to the seventh one right now. When you get to the seventh word of praise, it's not about elevating God then. It's about a word of warfare. It's what the Jews did when they marched around the walls of Jericho. You remember that story? When they marched around the walls of Jericho, they did it six days. Six is the number of man. Two million of them walked around the walls of Jericho marching and didn't say one word. All they could hear was, and they marched around the walls one time, went back. Come up the next day, didn't say one word, went back. Third day, went back. Fourth day, went back. Fifth day. 
sixth day. And you're thinking, well, that's so stupid. Come on, get on with the point. I mean, look at somebody say, he's in the Holy Ghost even if you don't believe it. <laughs> I knew what y'all was thinking. Amen. Oh, Mike, come again to the next point. I want you to get it. Six days. They didn't say nothing. The walls of Jericho were wide enough at the top. They could race chariots around it. These walls were massive thick. The smallest stones, they say, were 12 feet in diameter in these stones, in these walls. They marched around it, and at the top, they would race chariots around the top of it. Now, over the top of the city, the Bible says that these people would look out over the walls. And look at these people. My God, look at, look at the dust. Oh, my God. What are they doing? Two million marching. They come back. They're back at it again. Fourth day. My they ain't saying a sound. Hey, y'all. Hey. Fifth day. Hey, y'all. Y'all been doing this five days. Talk to them. What's going on down there? Sixth day. Six is the number of man. But on the seventh day, seven's God's perfect number. It means fullness, completion. Nothing can be added to, nothing taken away. On the seventh day, God said, I want you to shout. When you go around it one time, I want you, you're going to go around it seven times. And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, he said, I want all two million of you to shout. That means, ah! Why? Because when you shout, the walls are going to fall flat. Now these walls were tall, wide enough to race chariots around the top of it. When they sh shouted on that seventh time, on the seventh day, when that two million people laid their head back, and, yeah, the Bible said the walls fell flat. It means it was like an earthquake. The ground opened up and the walls fell flat. It didn't mean they just crumbled. They fell flat. Amen. Now, this is for us in the New Testament, this is a type of spiritual warfare that we're in. When God places you in the position of victory, which is what you are when you're born again, amen, you are going to come against something, but you're going to win. What's going to happen? That spiritual stronghold of that city is going to fall flat. I'm saying to this church in the Holy Ghost, you are involved in a spiritual journey right now. You are rocking around this city. You are marching around this area. I remember three, three years ago, they started talking to me about going to San Francisco. I didn't even say nothing. I'd come back up to Mississippi to see them. They'd say it again. I still wouldn't say nothing. And then they started calling me, and this sign happened. And God did this. And God did that. And about a year away from him coming, I started saying, my, my, my. Well, man, that's powerful. Wow. You're leaving when? March. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm on the other side of the phone going, oh, oh, oh. That's getting, my, my sign language is getting, uh, stuttering signs. I'm, oh, Jesus. Amen. I'm like, oh, God, because I've been here. I've been with Brother Morgan. I know what's going on. I know the devils. I know the demon possession. I know the spiritual stronghold. But they just kept coming. Word from the Lord. That's where I'm sending you. And they were coming to start a church. And then about 30 days outside of coming, Brother Morgan called, said, you need to call this man. Called the former pastor and talked to him. Come out and preach. And you know what happened. All of a sudden, they got voted in. I'm like, what? Now God gave them 22, 23, 24 people to start with. And I said, my. It was like 25 miracles on top of 25 miracles. Like, oh, my God, something's going on. I started telling people, man, my son-in-law and, uh, son and daughter, they're going to San Francisco. Where? Well, they're going out there to the capital city. They're going out there. You know, they, 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 you know what? And I told them, they got voted into a church over there. What? Just two counties south of where God told them they was going to go. What? 
I mean, God gave them 25 people. Why? Because God said this group of people are going to be the people that lead in this city. You are going to be the lead spiritual army that's going to give God praise. Your praise was wonderful, but can I tell you, your praise is going to get better and better and greater and greater. Tell somebody my praise. Tell somebody my praise is what's going to bring the walls of the city down. Your praise is going to do it. God's church in high places. Now let's look at this position. Literally down the throat. Now the five spiritual levels Paul writes about in Ephesians 6. He says, number one, you're going to be against principalities and powers. Principalities is archaic. It means the first ones. Or the preeminent ones or preeminent leaders. Spirits of preeminent leadership. Hell's leaders is going to be the first thing you're against. Second is exusic authorities, which is the powers. These are the demons of Satan in the lower atmosphere who constitute his kingdom in the air. You're going to be against the rulers of the darkness, which is cosmocrater, which means the world rulers of this darkness. Satan and his demons, the spirit forces of perniciousness, high injurious, destructive, deadly, implying irreparable harm. Do you understand? The spirits of wickedness, rulers of the darkness of this world that cause men to kill themselves, that cause people to get caught up on tempt them and draw them. They are highly injurious and destructive. They deadly imply imperable harm. They tell you you're too lost, you're too bound, the Holy Ghost won't help you, you can't get free. And then he goes to the high places. This is the surrounding, the lower atmosphere around the earth. It is the lower heavens. Then he says it's spiritual wickedness. The word wickedness here is poneria, which means depravity, malice, plots, iniquity. From a root word that means hurtful, evil in effects and influence, calamitous, diseased, derelict, and vicious. Spiritual wickedness. In where? High places. This is elevated and exalted geographic sites taking on the meaning of a place of worship. In the Old Testament, amen, they would claim land. And they would go to the high places, the highest hill. And the people of God would make bare the top of the mountain. The Bible tells them they were supposed to make bare. Cut every tree down, chop the grass down, and take 12 stones and build an altar unto God. That's the way. And whoever owned the high places owned the territory. Look at somebody and say, if we own the high places, we own the territory. If we own the high places in this city and in this region, you own the city. There will be a spirit of liberty. Anybody that wants free can be free. Anybody that wants to be delivered from drug addiction can be delivered. Anybody that wants to be delivered from immorality can be delivered. Anybody that wants to be delivered from alcoholism can be delivered. If we own the high places. Look at somebody. If we own the high places. Amen. In Israel, every place they went, every piece of land they would get, they would make it bare and they would build an altar to God. 
That's why I felt the Holy Ghost move in here so beautifully. This music, just wonderful. Why? Because it was exalting God. We just kept lifting God. And you could feel, I mean, you could feel when God came in here. People began to dance. People began to run. People began to cry. Why? Because God has it. Touch somebody and say, God's in here. Tell somebody, God's in here. Amen. So it's the high places. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 tells us we pulled down every stronghold, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself above the knowledge of God. This leads us to our text in Numbers. In the study of the law of first mention is to search out a subject at its beginning, then move forward with your study and the revelation will appear and understanding comes. When we do this, it takes us to over 90 scriptures that deal with the term high places. In Numbers 33, Dr. Schofield calls this passage the law of possessing the land. From the earliest times, men worshiped in the high places, the false gods of their own imaginations. These places became known as sites for human sacrifice, polluted with physical and spiritual harlotry, orgies, religious prostitution, and homosexuality. All of these acts were forms of worship to the gods, little g, of their own minds and imagination. This was to justify their lifestyle, make it okay by their new religion. So when they passed over Jordan into the land, the Lord said, it's time for war. You are to drive out the wickedness. You are to pluck down everything. You are to dispossess the land. If they've got a high place up there, you go up there and you cast it all out. They'll have altars built everywhere, have bushes up around it. Why would they do that? Because in the bushes, they would have a little place where they can put a pocket-sized idol and they pull it out called a teraphim. They pull it out and worship it. This is what the Jews began to do. They, they, they got so comfortable with this sinful area that they would make teraphims, pocket-sized idols, and whenever nobody was looking, they would pull it out and they would do their little seances to it and they worship it. Somebody come, they put them hide it. Hey, praise the Lord, how are you? This is what they would do. And so they were comfortable. But now they're saying, they're told, you go in and you drive this out. You drive this mindset out. Now this is Old Testament. This is to go, you had to go to the places. Everybody say to the places where they serve their gods. There is a place in praise that we go where it is not just the lifting up of God and the exalting of who he is and what he does, but your praise becomes a weapon. This is what I'm trying to say to you. Amen. That you are now in a position where your praise is becoming me more than just song service. It's more than just three songs and a little sermonette and we're down at a decent hour. But there comes a moment in your praise where your praise becomes warlike. <laughs> Turn to somebody and said, my praise is a weapon. Amen. I hope you understand your praise becomes a weapon because it's used to dislodge, depose, and deport the enemy from your territory. Psalm 78, God's giving an overview to David, and he was angry with Israel's high places. Amen. He was angry with their high places. In 1 Kings 11, 4 through 7, Solomon built high places to strange gods, and this cost him his rulership. The period of the judges was a roller coaster period. Eight times they came back up. They went down and back up. It was a roller coaster, back down. What made them come up? Whenever they sacrificed to God. They would go down when they would begin to let the grass grow up. They would build other altars to other gods because they didn't want to offend any of the other gods. But there is only one God. Look at somebody say, there's only one God. And his name is Jesus. 
You don't have to worship Mother Nature. God made Mother Nature. You don't have to worship the earth. God made the earth by his power of his word. Come on, look at somebody and say, God made it. We don't worship what God made. We worship God. Tell somebody, well, I don't worship what God made. I worship God. Tell somebody, I worship God. Come on, tell somebody, I'm going to worship God. Amen. Solomon, you're going to lose your kingdom. Period of the judges, you're going to go down when you've got a wicked, immoral judge. Sometimes eight, sometimes 12 or 15 years, Israel would be backslid. They would be lost. God had not spoken to them in years, but then that would judge would die, and another judge would be pointed out, and he would be a judge that wanted God. He would tear down the high places, exalted himself against God, and leave one altar unto God, and God would remanifest. He would show up, and they would be saved, or they would be blessed of God for five, eight, ten, fifteen years, as long as that leader was, amen, life. Everybody ought to say, thank God for our leader. Amen. Our leader is leading us in praise. Amen. And I know he's not playing his guitar yet. I don't know. Have anybody heard him play guitar? You heard him? He can tear a guitar up. Amen. But I'm going to tell you where this praise is going. It's not going to be just this nice group. There's going to be a whole lot. There's going to be drummers that's going to trade in and out. There's going to be singers trade in and out. There's going to be organ players and piano players. Why? Because God, I'm going to tell you something. There's never been a revival that didn't happen without powerful praise. Never, never. So if you're comfortable without praise, you're not going to be comfortable here. Because this is going to be a praise in church. This is going to be a worship in church. Why are you going to do that? Because God will inhabit the praises of his people. Why? Because if you've got backslid family, if you've got family that's lost, God will save them in a church that knows how to praise him. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. I've seen it happen my 38 years of ministry. I've seen praise break out. Got called to go to Alaska years ago, went up there, and was supposed to be there for two weeks, and the first week, at the end of the week, I was preaching for the superintendent, Brother Blackshear. We had five or six, got the Holy Ghost, which for them was like 50. Great people. My dad was, and mom prayed through there. My dad backslid and, and married my mom, and had me down in New Mexico, and a couple months later, they shipped him to Anchorage, Alaska. And, and then two months after we were there, we went through that earthquake in 1964. How many old folks remember the earthquake? Remember reading about it? Don't remember? Okay, go look at it, 1964. It was 9.2. It wasn't a tremor. It was an earthquake. Had a mudslide on one side of Anchorage where a lot of rich people lived, and the whole thing slid right out in the ocean. Massive cracks, cracks as big as this aisle here. Buildings on one side of downtown that went all the way to the ground. The roofs were level with the, with the ground. Scared my dad death. My mom was religious but had never been to church. And we're in a little house and they're sitting at the table. I'm sitting here in a little, whatever the high chair was. Dad was sitting there, was back against cabinets. Mom was sitting here, little military house when the earthquake happened. My high chair started bouncing and it started to fall. My mom fell out of the chair and grabbed me. Pinned my dad, the table, pinned my dad up against the cabinet. And when it finally quit bouncing, my mom looked up and raised up and said, Frank, you've got to tell me what that church is. You've got to tell me where a church is like that here in Anchorage. He said, I don't know if there is one. They began to look. And it took them about two weeks. They found a United Pentecostal church. Pastor by a man by the name of Brother Luna. They went, about 25, 30 people. They were worshiping. He played a, a little mandolin, or she played a mandolin, and he played a fiddle. That was the worship music. In Alaska. 
30 days, my mom had the Holy Ghost. And three more weeks later, my dad prayed back through the Holy Ghost. 1965, my brother was born. 1967, we went to Oklahoma City. And there we were raised in a church. Amen. What are you, say, what are you saying? I'm saying there are miracles that are going to happen. There are miracles that are going to happen because you've got the Holy Ghost. So what are you saying? I'm saying there's up and down because of leadership. This church is in an up now because of the leadership you have. If you go to the high places, you will tear the devil's kingdom down. I'm speaking, to you, I'm speaking this to you. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'll stop. Stand. These spirits are all under us. Everybody say they're under us. Every spirit of this region is under you. I got two amens. Tell somebody, say, every spirit of hell is under us because we're in the church, which is the body of Christ in the earth. When you are born again, you're raised from spiritual deadness, given life-quickening power, and you are now spiritually above every spirit that had you bound or tried to bind you. Trying to gain the upper hand of position and exalt himself above you. But if you are here and you exalt Jesus, you should let the high praises of God be in your mouth in this high place place of worship and you will pluck down and pull down and destroy enemy strongholds that have entrenched themselves against this city. I'm telling you this, Jesus is about to come, but before he comes God is igniting preachers and saints to get a spirit of victory in a city so that those that can be saved will be saved. Everybody say that can be saved. They will be saved. So we got victory in the high places. If my piano player will come up here, just get ready to play. So when they go into the promised land, the first thing they must do was they had to enter the high places. Because whoever owns the high places owns the territory. This is why Abraham, everywhere he went, he built altars. Because even though his foot placement gave him the land, he wanted the enemy to know, I own the high places. It's all mine. So when you're driving around the city, all you got, you don't have to have on music on or nothing. You just drive around and say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, we take dominion over this. We did it in Lake Charles, Louisiana. We drive through, we had prayer Calls Brother Ewing would have us uh, do a prayer fasting for a week. We'd have one bus go north, one bus go south, one bus go east and west, and we'd have 35, 40 in every bus, and we would drive, and there'd be somebody at the front of the bus said, okay, let's pray against this, and everybody start praying, and that bus would ease down the road. We'd go out five miles, and we'd stop at the end of five miles, and everybody would turn, and they would pray in towards the city. We'd drive past bars. I saw Brother Ewing's mom. She was about that tall, hunched over. She was sitting here in a seat next to me. Looked like she was standing up because she was so short. And we, brought, we passed a bar, and she jumped up out of her seat at 80-some years old and leaned right over the top of me, pointing out, I curse this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I demand that you close, that you set the people free. I curse this business. And two weeks later, 
hurricane hit and literally leveled that building. You say, oh, it's accident. No, it's not an accident. Hadn't been a hurricane there in years. Now, last year, last year and a half, they've had two. And they know something's going on in Lake Charles. What are you saying? They would pray, and she would say, God, loose this. Shut this down. Take dominion. And there would be people for months. I'd be there two, three, and four months in revival. Be 100, 130 people at a time would get the Holy Ghost in that church. How? Because they would go out and take dominion. When you're driving out today, when you drive out, you just drove to the city. In the name of Jesus, God, we take dominion. We take dominion. You just begin to praise the Lord. In your car, you begin to praise the Lord. At home, you got on Christian music, just begin to sing. Just, just worship the Lord. What are you doing? You're increasing the output. You're increasing God's place of inhabitants. Where God can, look at somebody say, God will inhabit our praises. Amen. We're God's church in high places. Now if we can have worship. He will establish permanent residency and ownership. Look at somebody say, this is our city. This is my neighborhood. This is my household. And God's here. So God, we want you to put your hand in the throat of your enemy. Gouge his eyes out. The vision of this city is one of deliverance, dominion, miracles, signs, and wonders. This is the prophetic announcement on your praise. And that is, go up and possess the land. Look at somebody and say, go up and possess the land. Went to Alaska and began to preach. Had seven or eight, got the Holy Ghost. But the Black Shears went down to Kenai, Alaska. And the Holy Ghost hit. Two churches came together from Seward and from Kenai. We had 27, got the Holy Ghost that week. But the Black Shears called, Greg, can you stay? called a bunch of preachers where I was supposed to go they all said stay I stayed two and a half months preached every night but two nights had 183 people got the Holy Ghost preached at the church listen preached at the church at North Pole the address of of the church was 5th and Santa Claus right down the street was where the North Pole is where Santa's supposed to be amen got there one night had about 70-some people there in that congregation. Had over 30 got the Holy Ghost that night. Had a Methodist pastor got the Holy Ghost. People from his church got the Holy Ghost. Went to White Horse Yukon Territory. They didn't even have a building. Had church two different nights. One in one building, one in another building. Pastor's son was backslid. They had a little piano up there. It was smaller than that one. About half the size. That's all the music they had. And that girl couldn't play hardly anything. This girl's a maestro compared to her. I mean, she just plinking and plugging along. And amen, they began to sing. And I was shocked. About 70 people in there. They began to worship. All of a sudden, I heard a noise. And I looked down the aisle of the, uh, the, that they had made with the chairs. And there comes a boy. And the pastor looks and said, that's my son. Went over and laid hands on him. He began to speak in other tongues. Fell in the floor. His wife got the Holy Ghost. Never been to church in her life. She came to church tonight. She got the Holy Ghost. When it happened, the last night we was doing an altar working seminar in their house. About 60 of them were there. There was three guests that were there. She was over the food and game. I uh, don't know exactly what you call that position, but she's over all the food and game up there in Alaska. And she had two men with her. They were on her staff. They were sitting there on the pew, and we began to teach. And I went from how to win souls to trying to win a soul. Began to throw some doctrine in there about being born again. While I was talking, the Holy Ghost began to move. She started going, huh, huh, huh. 
started feeling the Holy Ghost. She began to speak, stammer lips. Everybody began to worship. Our worship scared her, so we stopped that. Had everybody get them something to eat. Brother Wagner sat there and talked to her. She'd fell in the floor. She was sitting on the floor, head against the chair. He began to explain to her what was happening, why he was talking. She threw her hands up and began to speak in other tongues. Her tongue began to move. Sound began to come out. Wasn't any English. She just yielded to it. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Filled both the men with the Holy Ghost. White Horse Yukon Territory. Went down to Juneau, Alaska. Juneau, Alaska. There we had about 10 get the Holy Ghost two nights at their camp meeting. But it ended up with 183. Got the Holy Ghost from White Horse Yukon Territory all the way down to Juneau, Ketchikan, Seward, Homer. I mean, it was crazy. And what are you saying? God wants to give people the Holy Ghost. He can give you the Holy Ghost today if you want it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, I felt to preach to this church about what God's about to do. So I want everybody to understand this. Say, I got it. Got it. Say, I'm going up in my praise. But now, if you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. If you've got the Holy Ghost, but you want some more of it, I want you to lift your hands up. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to lift your hands. I want you to begin to praise the Lord now. Begin to lift your hands. Begin to tell the Lord how much you love Him. God, I love you. God, I need you. I desire you, God. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. God, we're going to lift up holy hands. That's it. Come on. Come on. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Just praise Him a little bit. 